We are going to continue in worship by hearing God's word, but in preparation to hear his word, let's again go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for inviting us into your presence. We thank you for working in each and every one of our lives to bring us to this moment here and now. And Lord, we pray that here and now as we have gathered to worship you, that you would speak to us. Speak to us from your word. Help us to hear these words clearly. And Lord, speak to us through your spirit so that we truly receive, so that we truly give your word the primary place in our lives, so that we are encouraged, so that we are renewed, so that we catch a glimpse of you on this Easter Sunday. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've been working through Revelation 1 to 5 as a church the last few months, and we're wrapping up that series, that big reveal series, with chapter 5 of Revelation today. But before we read, I, I want to give us a little, bit of, a little bit of a sense of where we've been, and then we'll read the couple texts that we have for this morning. On Good Friday, I started a, I started a story, and I told you all that I would keep going with that story on Easter, but I want us to go back to it a minute so that we... So that we're on the same page. I spent a number of years as a missionary in a remote part of Nigeria working with a number of tribes. One of them was the Avadi tribe. And I had a guy who taught me language, talked to me about some culture things, and was just generally my overall helper and guide. And he told me sometimes about some stories of his people, of his tribe. And they were a tribe that had very much been pushed to the edge. They had lived in this area for century upon century upon century upon century. But many hundreds of years ago, another tribe had come sweeping across West Africa and, and taken over this area and pushed, Bulus was his name, pushed Bulus's ancestors way off to the edge, often captured them and sold them as slaves. Often, if, if this other tribe, the Hausa, needed, needed food or resources, they would come and they would just kill a few of the Avadi people, wipe out a village or two, and take everything. And this was how they lived century after century, always hoping for something better, hoping for some deliverance, and never, ever getting it. And then along came the English, the colonizers, and, and they made this new country called Nigeria, and it was national instead of tribal, but, but the Hausa took over all the government positions, and they remained the overlords, and the Avadi remained still on the edge, still in the darkness with no hope. And then Bulus at other times would tell me stories about the traditional religion of the Avadi people. And, and sometimes they would go up on the hills nearby. They called them mountains, but they were only a couple hundred feet tall. But they'd go up there and they'd try to connect with the gods and the powers. And it was very transactional. They would, they would go and they would try to manipulate the gods into providing for them. But the gods always let them down. They lived on the edge. They were always on the edge of history. They were always on the, the edge of the universe, far, far away from the powers, far away from the Lord, far away from everything. And that was their life. Now, we've seen some of that leading up, some of those same struggles leading up to today as we've worked through Revelation, as we've gone through Palm Sunday and Good Friday, even this week. The crowds on Palm Sunday wanted God to do what they wanted. They came with this plan, and, and they wanted, well, they wanted power. They wanted their own way, and, and they didn't get it. And so on Good Friday, they turned on the Lord, and they turned away from Him. And we saw, as we often see, a story of the innocent being oppressed. 
We saw the story of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the only human being who has never sinned, being beaten, executed, put in a grave, pushed to the edge of existence. And how often is that the story of our own lives? That we want things to go well. We want safety for our families. We want good health. We want to prosper. We want to succeed. We want life to be peaceful, and, and yet it so often isn't. You know, as we worked through Revelation 2 and 3 leading up to these couple weeks, we saw seven letters to seven churches, and Jesus speaks to these seven churches, and it seems like a lot of what he says is, your way of doing religion isn't cutting it. They're trying to mix and match. They're trying to find ways to get life to work. And what they're doing is, is they're going to all these other powers along with Jesus. And they're, they're trying to manipulate them into giving them what they want. And it's not working. It's not working. On Good Friday, we gather and we celebrate Christ's death. But one thing that we have to recognize along with that is that this is a world of darkness and trouble. And now we come on Easter morning, and now, now we come to the center of the story, and now we come to the center of the universe. And here at the center, we will read two texts from God's Word from the Bible, and then we'll see how they change everything. We'll begin by reading from Matthew chapter 28. We'll read from verse 1 to verse 10. This is the story of the resurrection. After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. And suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And then we turn to Revelation chapter 5, and here we see Jesus. Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed, and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. 
And when he had taken it, the, 24, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the thrones and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. So we come to the center today, and I want to talk to you about a reality that changes everything, and then the result of that reality, and then how we respond. And the reality is that the slain lamb has risen. We see that first in Matthew 28. Jesus has died, as we remember, on Good Friday. He's in the tomb. He's done. And now comes this violent earthquake, and an angel comes down from heaven, and he rolls away the stone, not to let Jesus out, but to let us in to see the reality of the resurrection. And then the angel says, and Jesus later repeats to the first who, who hear of his resurrection, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And this is a moment when everything changes. This is, this is the center of the story. This is a time when there is a before and an after. The cross and the empty tomb are at the center of the story of our world. Now, they might not be chronologically exactly at the center. We don't know how long the world will go for and whatever. But in terms of the telling of the story, the telling of history, what we read about in Matthew 28 is the very center of the story. The grave is not the end, but the resurrection is. And so the story goes on, and we have a hope that we did not have before. And then as we come to Revelation 5, we see not just the story, the center of the story, but the center of the universe. We come to the throne of God here in Revelation chapter 5. And as we talked about last week, if you were here, this, this is a curious kind of throne. It's not a throne with a front and back, but it's a circular throne. And it is not a throne that is up in heaven somewhere, but it is a throne that sits at the very center of the universe. With the choir here today, we're, we're seated more like we usually would be if we were thinking in terms of Revelation 5, that there is, there is a center and around that, all creation gathers and goes out, circle after circle after circle. And at the center of the universe is God himself on the throne. And you can look toward that throne or you can look away from it, but that throne determines everything about our lives. And then as we read on through Revelation 5, there is this scroll. This scroll that no one is worthy to to open up, to break the seals on, and to, to unroll and to reveal. And what that throne is, is God's plan. God's plan to redeem His creation. 
God's plan to save his people, God's plan to bring salvation. But, but there is a problem in the text. And the problem is that no one is worthy to open that scroll. There is no one who can open up God's plan for us. But then comes the lamb. The lamb who looks like he's been slain and he is able to take the scroll. He's, he's earned the right to open that book up and he has earned the right by his death. And then there is a new song that is sung in verse 9. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. From Good Friday to Easter, there is a fundamental change in the universe. From Good Friday to Easter, we move from ultimate hopelessness to ultimate hope. And now, now, death, decay, and the devil do not get the last word, but the slain lamb who is risen gets the last word. That is the reality. And now let's talk about the result of that reality. And the result of that reality is that we belong to the Lamb of God. Now, as we read about this Lamb in Revelation 5, we see that Good Friday leaves its scars. If you have ever seen a lot, an animal that has been slaughtered, you guess, you guess that a lamb who has been slain is not entirely a pretty sight. But it is by Christ's wounds that we are healed. And so those marks on that lamb who represents Christ are, are marks not just of suffering but of glory. And then the text goes on and it talks about how this lamb has seven horns and seven eyes. And, and what that means is that this is a lamb who is all-powerful and all-knowing, who is able to do anything and everything and who is able to see everything. And this lamb at the center of the universe changes everything. And this is not good news just for us or just for one particular people or one particular time, but it goes out to every tribe and language and tongue and nation. And that is the first of seven times in the book of Revelation that those phrases are used. And seven, if, if you don't know, is a, is a story or a, a number of completion in the Bible. Seven times in the book of Revelation, it declares that, that the Lord is drawing in people from everywhere, from the whole world. They are all being drawn into the center of the universe here to belong to the Lamb. And that good news goes out to everybody, to those who, who start out close to God and those who start out very, very far away. Let's return to, to Africa, and I want to tell you more of Bulus' story. So Bulus started out at the edge. He lived in a village far, far off the beaten track. He had almost nothing. He survived, and that was about it. But then missionaries came, and some North American missionaries came, and some Nigerian missionaries came, and, and bit by bit, they opened up to Bulus and to his people what the gospel story is. That there is this Lord God who who is far above all other powers, who sits at the center of the universe, who is in charge of the story of the world, and yet this God is not one who lords it over us. This is not a God who sits far off and demands and demands and demands, but this is a God who comes and who becomes one of the broken. This is a God who comes, and as we, as we reviewed on Good Friday and remembered and celebrated, this is a God who himself is broken by the powers of the world.
This in Christ is a God who was brought out from the city and brought up on a hill and, and slaughtered unjustly. And he did that for you and for me. And he did that for Bulus and his family and his tribe. And, and as this good news sank in, as this good news sank in, well, well Bulus is drawn to the center of the story to to hear of this God, this God who, did you really say that he died for me? This powerful figure who gave up his power for us who were powerless and on the edge? Is this real? Is this true? Can this be? And yes, Bulus, it is. And yes, it can be. And this leads to personal transformation. Because you see, if you have spent centuries being ground into the dirt, you know that you are worthless. And you know it not just in your head, but in the very depths of your being. You know you are worth nothing. But then if you hear that God himself came down and died for you, then you realize that you are worth something. That you are worth more than you could ever dream. And it is, it is everything. And it changes everything. And so now you are a person who is worth something. And so maybe your work matters. And maybe you can actually do something with your life that will... That will that will have an impact. Maybe you have hope. And then it transforms your family because, because in Bulus's case, if you look around and you realize that not just you, but, but your wife and your children, that Christ died for them too and that he calls you as a father and as a husband to lay down your, lay down your life for your family, to lay down your power and become weak so they can become strong. Well, what a change that is from from being the head of the household and the one who gets to rule and reign to being the one who lays down his life for his family. And then it becomes socially transformative as, as you realize that, that the others around you are to be not objects of competition or hate, but objects of love and cooperation. And you realize that your whole family and your whole tribe is worth something. And, and so schools were built and children became educated and wells were dug and and people became less and less ill. And the whole culture, well, in as much at least as the Christians had an influence, the whole culture shifted. Where there was darkness, there came to be light. And ultimately, this is a story not just of personal or family or social transformation, though it is all that, but also a story of eternal transformation. Because you see, if you and your culture and you and your people have spent centuries out on the edge and realizing that you're worth nothing and living without hope, you know, we haven't lived there for the most part, so we don't get it. But that is, that is simply unbearable. You cannot live that way. But what if? What if you hear this story that we read today and you hear that the Lord intends to draw all of his people to the very center of the universe where we will be with him forever? And what if you hear that Christ has already done that? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ died and resurrected, goes out from, goes out from Matthew 28 and Revelation 5 and it goes out to the ends of the world and it, it draws people in. And so how do we respond? How do we respond to this reality? And our response is to praise the Lamb who is worthy. And I want to propose three, three ways that we could praise the Lord. 
And Revelation 5 here has this cascade, this waterfall of praise that that starts at the throne with the Lamb coming and taking the scroll and and recognizing that everything is different now. And then the four living creatures and the 24 elders right around the throne, they they praise the Lord and they sing a new song. And after that, thousands and thousands and ten thousands and ten thousands of angels cry out with a loud voice and sing together, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then it goes out to the next circle and all of creation joins to praise the Lord Jesus. There is this overflow of praise to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And that is ultimate reality. Because of Jesus' work, that is the story of the universe and that is where that is where life is forever. And now let me let me invite you to to three responses. Perhaps you are somebody who is on the edge. Perhaps you are here because your parents or your children dragged you. Perhaps you're here because, you know, it's nice nice to go to church a couple times a year. But in reality, you are far from Jesus. You are on the edge. And you have a choice to make in your life. And and you can turn toward the center, and you can look to God, and you can build your life around Him. Or you can turn away from the center, and you can look out to the edge to nothingness, and your life will disintegrate. And in the end, there will be nothing left for you. Today is an invitation for you to center your life on Jesus Christ. Today is an invitation for you to finally, finally hear and receive the good news that Jesus died, not just for those around you, but, but for you. And to accept this good news that can change your life. Worthy is the Lamb, and Jesus is the only place to find hope. Now, maybe you're here and you don't feel like you're on the edge, but maybe you feel like you're still stuck on Good Friday. That you want to be with the Lord and you believe all of this, but you just don't feel it today. Maybe there are troubles in your life or, or troubles in your family, or maybe the situation of the world simply has you in a dark place and you haven't yet gotten to Easter. We all have dark seasons in our lives. But if that's where you are today, then hear the reality. The reality that goes deeper than your life circumstances. The reality that is more true than any, any feelings or anything else you might have. The ground reality of the universe is that Jesus Christ is at the center and he is drawing his people there and everything will be made right. Whatever concerns or questions you have, whatever darkness you are experiencing, it is not the end of the story and it is not the deepest reality. The deepest reality is that the Lamb is on the throne and that He is drawing His people to Him. And then if you are here today and spiritually you are at Easter morning and you are, and you are just happy to be here at the center, but maybe you wonder a little bit, Maybe you wonder a little bit, do I really want to sing praise songs forever? Maybe you feel like that, that picture of heaven is great, but I, I don't understand how we can keep on praising the Lord forever and ever. Won't that get a little, little dull? You know, many of us who have been Christians for a long time, we kind of get to this baseline that it's good, but we have a hard time picturing it getting better and better for all eternity. And Revelation 5 intends to give us a picture of things getting better and better and better for all eternity. 
And so I want to invite you, if you are a person for whom singing and and declaring praise is the most ultimate thing, then this is a picture exactly for you of what your eternity will be if you belong to Jesus. And if that is not a picture that quite clicks for you, then I invite you to think, think of how the Lord has made you. Think of the moments when you feel most alive, most put together, most vibrant, and then recognize that what being drawn to the center of the universe means is that you will become more and more the kind of person who can live in that kind of space, in that kind of place. The Lord made each of us to echo Him in different ways, and so as we, as we draw closer to Jesus Christ and closer to the center of the universe, we will become more and more in tune with Him, and each of us, in our own way, will declare forever and ever, worthy is the Lamb. And as we come to know ourselves more and more and come to know Jesus Christ more and more, we will find life and hope and joy beyond what we could even guess at today. Picture the very best moment you can, and that will be not one millionth of what eternity with Jesus Christ will be like. None of us are yet quite at the center of the universe. We are, we are still looking forward to that day when the Lord will make all things new and draw us, draw us into His eternal presence. But today we have this picture This picture of Jesus Christ rising again and drawing us to the Lord and promising to make us more and more of who He created us to be. So this morning, I invite you to step closer to the center of everything, to see in Jesus Christ the center of your story, to see in Jesus Christ the center of the universe, and to see there the Lamb who is worthy, who saves us. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your work. We are grateful for the gift of Jesus Christ who who we remember today rises from the dead and tells us not to be afraid. And who we remember today ascends to heaven and sits at the throne at the center of the universe and invites us to join him there. Lord, we pray that you draw us nearer to you and help us to live in the resurrected life of Christ. Amen.